This, this is the SWBC this. Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Happy, Happy Hour. Check this out. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. And by SWBC Mortgage. Customized solutions to help you meet your personal and business goals. Visit SWBC.com. Now your hosts, the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network All-Stars. All-Stars, happy hour. We have one of the best guests ever, one of my favorite people to ever wear the star on the show. We'll get to him in just a second. I'm Shannon Gross. To my right, Kevin Hagelin from KNC Masterpiece. How you doing? I'm doing good, except for just a second ago when you said one of your favorite guests, I thought you were talking about me, <laughs> not <laughs> the Cowboys' all-time leading sacker. So well, I'm a little sad Okay, now. all right. Sorry about that. Well, two, two of my fa- other favorite no, hosts. I'll co-hosts. take don't, it. Don't, don't go don't back too further. All right. Don't pander to him. My uh, partner in crime next to him, David Hellman. How you doing, David? Hey, buddy. I'm great. And to your right... Yeah, that's. I'm really excited because I haven't had a really good conversation with this person since they. Because he never the team. calls. He, he never calls. It's true. This is true. He doesn't he need you anymore. No, I understand. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Demarcus hey, thank you, Ware. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. How are you, man? Hey, doing great. Give man. it up for Demarcus good. Ware. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How you been, man? Hey, been really good. Really good. All right. So fill us in with with what you've been. What's been going on? What have you been up to before we get into some football talk? What's been happening? You know what? I've been uh, creating a lot of software. I'm, I'm a major in computers sign so got back into what I really love and enjoy and been getting into fitness and uh, you know I, I was a captain for 12 years in, in, in the NFL and uh, now I can lead people through fitness and be a captain in their lives and that's what I've been doing man that's my passion and uh, I enjoy doing it. That's the last time you were here we were talking about getting me a routine. That's I got you. You're doing the circuits <laughs> see, right? I that's see you got the talking. bananas right yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But I, I came I dressed to impress. Okay got He's you. got the pudding <laughs> underneath his shirt too. <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good point. <laughs> Thanks Shannon. So so in the fitness world are you doing all this through social media? Are you personal training? What, what exactly are you a, l- doing? a little bit of both. Okay. Because uh, I'll train uh, like last year I trained some of the Cowboys guys some mm-hmm. of the Denver guys and uh, a lot of athletes that come in there is all private. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually doing a gym uh, over there in the Trophy Club area. Uh, so I can really affect the masses and been doing that and, and just creating programs with the NFL guys, the methodology, why it works, mm-hmm. how you can have you know, corrective exercises, recovery programs, and been going from there. And it's, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. You look like you could still – Strap it up. Has that crossed your Absolutely. mind at all? Your arms oh, are man. ridiculous. Listen, my arms are ripping through my shirt, but I can't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, I'm going back. It's I played lights out. Yeah. And you know, I played lights out my whole career. Yep. My body can't hold up anymore with those big boys. Yeah. I, I, I can't do it. But um, I enjoy training them and uh, showing them how to be a champion. Yeah. And that's what I really enjoy doing. How do you, like, this is this is a dumb question to ask a football player, but, like, how do you? How does it compare? You know, you've been retired for a little mm-hmm. bit now. Like, just your the way you feel right. on a on a Wednesday night as opposed to when you used to oh be. Oh my in God! Uh, think about going. I mean, preparing six days uh, on a Wednesday. You have the run run drills. Thursday you got the pass rush drills, and you bring it all together on Friday. And Sunday people are like, Oh my God, they're not hurt. Everybody's hurt right, in right. a football game. It's just a level of it, what, it's just how a level you are. of pain you can deal with. Right. While you're out there, and then on Monday, literally guys cannot walk. That's like the recovery day. 
where we would go in and from hot tub, cold tub, acupuncture, massage, you name it, roughing, it, they, we did everything. And uh, usually guys spend about $100,000 a year oh on their wow. bodies. And people don't realize that just to keep going every single Sunday, every year, right? Um, I mean, your body's an investment. It's, in a, it's a business. Mm-hmm. But then on Tuesday, it's back. It's only one day off. Right. And that's your recovery day again. So. so when you play, like it's Wednesday night, you're most of the way toward the next weekend right. getting there. I know it's the first day of practice. Yeah. But how would, you know, if this, if this was a game week for you, how would you feel around now? You know what I mean? Like on a Wednesday night. On, on had a, a Wednesday, couple days on a to Wednesday recover. night, um, I would be probably at my sorest. Because you just this is a padded day. Yeah. Like uh, Wednesdays are the padded day where you're doing a lot of the brute stuff in the trenches, where you're doing a lot of the run plays. So this is one of the worst days. And then as you tailor it, tailor it down from Thursday, Friday, that's when you start feeling like, okay, I'm ready for Sunday. <laughs> it always, it always, that's every week. That's it always every amazes, week. amazes me in the off season how many guys have some type of surgery. And most of them you never even hear about. Right. And the guys never bring it up. <laughs> they never complain. Right. You know, the major ones you hear about. But right. it's almost like most of the team gets some kind of work done in the offseason. Yeah, right? and in the offseason, a lot of the guys, they get, you know, knees scoped, ankles scoped. I mean, some guys get wrists broken, but you really don't hear about it because they just go out there and they just tape them up. And oh. that's the weirdest thing to you. Okay, well, you can't really use your arm. But the fans are like, what's wrong with them? Well, he broke three of his metatarsals and his yep. finger, and uh, you probably didn't hear about the surgery, but he's rehabbing just to get out there and play because he's so competitive. Any kind of surgery punch card or anything for you so you can maybe get discounts for some of I wish I did get a discount, but I kept all of my, um, you know, when you, have, when you get like almost like hurt on a job. So I had 50 one injuries while I while I was playing. I got an account for every single one of them and probably 30 of them were surgeries. And surgery is considered, you know, if you're going to get some steroids shot in your back because you got so much inflammation in your Mm -hmm. disc, Mm -hmm. if you got to scope your knee, if you got to brace your finger because you maybe tore it, any of those, I got them all. And that's probably a small bit of what about these other guys? I mean, they have hundreds Jeez. of injuries. How, how sensitive and aware were you as your career went along about potential for concussions? Because that is something that in the last generation has obviously moved to the forefront mm-hmm. of concerns for mm-hmm. players. Well, I was one of those guys where I was gifted with long arms, so I really didn't have to hit with my head. But a lot of the guys now are really taking into account of those high-impact brain-type injuries that lead to other things later on you know, once you retired. And that's why a lot of the guys now are really thinking about getting into the league, playing a little while, and then getting out because those impacts over and over again are sort of detrimental to you. So I thought about it a lot while I played and, and tried to play as safe as I could, but it's a gladiator sport. Yeah. We're 10 weeks in now. Yeah. Right? Cowboys have played nine games. They're basically – they're in first place in the NFC East, but basically tied with tied the Eagles. Tied with Philly, right? Right, but they mm-hmm. won all their – They got the division Division tie, but right. Yeah. Do we know – and, Kevin, let me start with you and we'll go around. Do we know – have we seen what this team is? That, are they still trying to figure it out? Is this going to be an 8-8 eight eight 
team again this year? Is this going to be a nine-win team? Like, what do you, what's your opinion on where they're at right now? I think we absolutely know what this team is. It's just it's a hard message to kind of accept at the moment is they're not as good as you would hope they would be, but they're not as bad as the angry mob with the pitchfork and the torches <laughs> and everything like right. that. This strikes me as a team that – does, in fact, win the division and maybe gets uh, bounced in the wild card round, which I, I know after the 3-0 and start, I had all my own high-mind ideals about where this season was going. But I think we do know it's just a hard outcome to accept at this moment. Dave? Okay, I agree with everything Kevin just said, but that's the, the crazy thing for me is it's just it's so much about consistency with these guys because you, you can't convince me that this isn't a talented team. Mm-hmm. Like I know how many Pro Bowlers are in the, are, are on that roster because I see the stars on their locker when I go in there. You got Pro Bowlers everywhere. They're number one in overall offense in the league. Even with the poor performance against the Vikings, this is a top ten defense. Uh, Pro Bowlers on that side of the ball too. They just aren't playing like it. So right now they're a five and four team. You are you're, you are what your record says you are right. So they're a middling football team. At the same time, part of you still thinks like, well, there's seven games left. Like, they can still turn it on. They can find right. their groove. They can play like a much better team. Ezekiel Elliott actually said it today in the locker room. He was like, you know, you're not always going to win 13 games in the NFL, but if you get to the playoffs, you give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not ready to just, like, close the book on this being a good football team, but through nine weeks, they just haven't been able to play like it on a consistent basis. Yeah, You know, I, I look at them right now as a team to where, like you said, there is a lot of talent. There's a lot of Plenty talent of across the board. But what are you going to get from week to week? And that's the consistency that everyone's looking for. At the beginning of the season, you know, they were passing the ball well. And then all of a sudden – Everybody's saying they're just passing the ball, and then they start running the ball well. But there hasn't been a game to where you run the ball well mm-hmm. and you pass the ball well on offense. And on defense, they're playing well enough to win games, meaning they're stopping a lot of the teams and running situations. But then you get to those teams where they're really good at running the football, and they don't stop them. Mm-hmm. And we got to see that last week. Big time. And so if the offense keep playing like they're playing – Either they're going to have a great offensive game, meaning from the you know, passing situation, or they're going to have a good running. They're going to run the ball well. They can still win football games. Mm-hmm. But defensively, they have to be consistent all the time. Because if you're going to play teams where you're going to have to think about, are they a run team, a pass team? It doesn't matter because when the defense do not play well, that's when we win football games, lose football games. Just think, just think about that. Mm-hmm. You went against two run, great run offenses, and you didn't do well. And then they lost the football game because they control the clock. You got so many weapons on offense to win football games and make big plays, but it's all about how many times can we get it to them. Now, I kind of wanted to ask y'all about that because I, I realized statistically number one offense, but does it feel like the number one offense? Because people lament about that more than anything, but that might just be a byproduct of what fans complain about because I don't feel like this is the number one offense. I feel like very good offense, but maybe not number one. I See, I, I kind of think that maybe that's a little bit of, you know, prisoner of the moment almost. Sure. Yeah, I mean, they could not they could not run the ball against the Vikings, and they tried too hard to make it happen. I think we would all agree with that. But they threw for 400 yards in that game. Uh, and before that, they were on a roll. Like DeMarcus just said, they were on a roll, three straight 100-yard performances for Zeke. They were doing everything they wanted to on the ground. So 
I would say, I mean, and listen, the results still haven't been good. We're talking about a 5-4 five, five and four team. I'm not trying to convince anybody this looks like a Super Bowl team, but you can go flip on the tape of the Chicago Bears or this Detroit Lions team they're about to play without right. Matt Stafford and maybe kind of get an idea of what bad offense looks like. I think this has looked like a top five offense for most of the year with the exception of that game against the Saints. Saints. And yeah. then the Jets game where I thought that was there for the taking yeah. if offensively well, it could have been a little. That was just a yeah. perfect storm of, of mess is what that it, was. It, and I, I mean, you're looking at it from, like to me, a statistical standpoint mm-hmm. of the top five offense. But those top five offenses, they can run the football and pass the football yeah. against anybody. Like, it does not matter who, who you're playing. You're that's, a, playing. that's a really good point. Like, it doesn't matter. It, I, I, I don't need 100% on one, you know, the other run pass. I need 80. I need 80%. Mm-hmm. Give me 80 yards with Zeke. Give me, you know, maybe three, 305 with Dak. I promise you that's a good football game. Yeah. Because no matter what, if I'm not passing the ball well, I'm going to run the football. But I'm doing it consistent, uh, consistent enough to win football games. That's, that's a great point. Which I'll contradict myself, but they had 450 yards in that game against the Vikings. Yeah. But it was 400 versus 50, you know? And it's a lot of yards, but when you're not balanced enough to do what you want when you want to do it, you wind up losing games. But, but think about controlling the clock. When you have now you're running the ball on the defense, the offense is off the field. They're, they're, they're scoring fast. So they're off yeah, the field. Right. But the defense is playing 60 plays and offense is playing 30. I want our offense to play 50, 60 plays where we're controlling everything. And our defense, which you can see, they were getting pressure the whole game. But when it came down to stopping the run in key situations, that's when Cook started getting those big plays on receptions and run in the run game. Let's talk about – let's take a quick break. Defense, you brought it up. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the uh, the addition of Michael Bennett. Let's talk yep. about the, what you think. You know, some of the fans are kind of down on Tank this year. Right. Let's talk about what, what you're seeing from Tank. Robert Quinn's having just a monster year. The last segment, and we're going to save this for last, we're going to have fun with D-Ware. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be something we're going to do. I like to have fun. You like to have fun? Yeah. All right, we're <laughs> going to do that. Get your thoughts on the defense when we come back on the happy hour.
Back, back to the back. SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Happy Hour. Yeah, check this out. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. This is the Happy Hour on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. And at SWBC, customized solutions for individuals and businesses are just a click away. Visit SWBC.com to learn more and start your next adventure. DeMarcus brought something up that Dave and I completely forgot about. What's that? I missed this. That he played under Rod Marinelli for three years. So you're very familiar with this defense and the schemes and and what they try to do with their schemes. So before we get to that, let's talk about what do you think of the addition of of Robert Quinn in the offseason? They picked up up Bennett here recently. Let's start there. What what, what are your opinion on those two guys? I think it's great because everything on Rod's defense is predicated on the guys up front. The Mm -hmm. four guys up front, they control everything. They get – the most penetration, they get the most tackles for a loss, and you can see how Tank and all the guys are hustling to the football. <laughs> the defensive line is, they, he always would tell us, we want the defensive line to make the most tackles on the defense, not the linebackers. Because if they're getting to the linebackers, that means that they've already broke broken mm-hmm. the, the line of scrimmage. And um, the guys coming in with Quinn, at first I was like, okay, well, is he going to be a hurt Quinn, or is it going to be that Quinn that we're going to be able to get a lot of pressure with, and we actually have that guy? Oh, yeah. What, it, was it, is it is how it many? Seven and a half. Yeah, seven, seven and a half yeah. sacks in, what, six games? Yeah. It's been about six games, mm-hmm. right? Seven and a half sacks, and then you bring in Bennett. And I'm like, okay, well, Bennett's been playing a little while. Is it going to be that same Bennett? It's the Bennett of 80%. It's not that Bennett that I've seen – at Seattle, that Bennett that I saw at the early in the Patriot times, mm-hmm. but it's the Bennett that I've seen also progress from game one to game two, because they're letting him go now. Yeah. He's actually figuring out where he fits in the defense, and he's like that. Um, they call him like the hybrid tackle, a guy that gets into the game in a little bit of a third down situations, longer second second down, and able to bring pressure. And that's what he's doing, and they're utilizing him the right way. They have a great front four, especially with Collins, right? Mm-hmm. And he's pushing the pocket, doing what he needs to do. I didn't think that he was a, uh, an awesome pass rusher. I thought of him as a run-stopping guru, but he's actually bringing a lot of pressure in the inside. Why do we think it seems like they don't get more pressure then? Because, like, you look at the team as a whole, Man. and, again, this might be a common complaint where yeah. you want – I mean, we all want a quarterback quarterback pressure or a sack on right. every single play but it does feel across the board like maybe the Cowboys don't get much like we talked about with the offense the representative of the sum of all the parts yeah I think, go ahead no no I'm, please you're going to the hall of fame you, go, no, no. you, you go ahead don't sir. undersell yourself you, whatever, you go ahead sir whatever no Dave's got bananas on exactly. his shirt you're exactly. going to the hall of fame so. but like sometimes uh not getting pressure and a quarterback sack still means that the quarterback is in the pocket and the coverage is taking care of everything because they have great cover guys. And, and the linebacking core is the best I've ever seen with, you know, Jalen and Van Der Esch and uh, Sean Lee. They can get the job done. But you have to be able to get enough pressure in those situations like last week that you're in his face. It's not about all the time knocking the quarterback down mm-hmm. and getting that sack. It's, is he in a phone booth? Can he make that phone call down the field? He did it a couple times, mm-hmm. right? But you got to be able to get that pressure Which, uh, inside. That's what was so frustrating about that game on Sunday night is the Vikings 
which kudos to them. They clearly schemed it up that way, but they didn't put Cousins in a situation that often where he was going to get killed by the pass rush. You saw it. uh, We ran our Sounds from the Sideline video that we do every week on Monday. Rod Marinelli was telling his guys on the sideline at that game, he's like, they're they're doing boots and screens. Yep. Boots and screens all night. They rolled Cousins out so he's not standing still. They used Dalvin Cook in the screen game, and the Cowboys just couldn't do anything about it. We've seen that at times this season. They've been good against the run at times. They've been really bad against the run at times too. And (laughs) Sunday night was one of those nights clearly because – I felt like they didn't put the game on Cousins enough. Because if you put him back there in the pocket and make him throw, you're probably going to win that game. And they they never had to do that because the screen game was working so well. Mm-hmm. The play action was working so well. Who, who does that fall on responsibility-wise then? Your D coordinator is calling out, this is what they're doing, this is what they're doing. You have a decent idea of what they're going to go to again and again. I know Dalvin Cook is ridiculously talented, but does that fall on – not adjusting from the coaching staff? Is that on the players to you got to wrap up and do a better job of tackling, which we were all lamenting during the game? Where does the responsibility for that fall? I think that falls back onto the players. Um, I feel like they had a good enough scheme to win the football game. Um, it was a lack of responsibility in certain areas um, where it was, okay, the guy's there, but he needs to make the tackle. Missed tackles. Yeah. That's always a big key in the game. 144 yards after contact on Sunday night wow. for the Vikings. Wow. And the most, the most wow. they had given up before that was 70. Yeah. yeah. So double. That's crazy. Well, that, you, you brought up you, you think this is one of the most talented linebacker cores. Right. The, the knock on them this year is they've been underperforming. What are you seeing that's causing them to, to underperform? The thing is, like, in, in Rod's defense, you got it's a responsibility defense. If two of the defensive linemen are going underneath, that means that I'm going to make sure everything bounces outside to the linebackers. One guy needs to sit, sit, that, uh, sit the point, right, so everything funnels underneath for the big guys to make the plays. And we didn't see that a lot of times. But then in the passing game, it was the same thing, to where if the guys are going underneath creating pressure, now we're going to roll Cousins out, and guess whose responsibility for the boot? It's actually one of the defensive ends. But you can't bury yourself down in the inside, you got to now get, you know, I would say you have the inside stunt technique, then you get up the field. Cut back, boot, reverse. You're not worried about a reverse. They never did a reverse. Mm-hmm. But everything was the bootleg. Everything was that cutback with Cook. So it was a responsibility game, and, and some guys weren't on their game. D-Ware actually, you know, he brought it up just completely independently at the top of the show, but the grind of the season, you know, right. and you're, you got broken fingers. You got a, you got a twisted ankle, and right. you're, you're doing what you got to do. Leighton Vander Esch, he had a stinger that knocked him out yep. for a game and a half. Mm. He missed a game after the bye week because it was so severe. And then he leaves this Vikings game. He came back, which credit to him. So clearly not a totally severe injury, but again, it makes you wonder, like, what are these guys going through exactly? Is there more to it than we see? And, like, no guy wants to make excuses. Like, if you're right. healthy enough to play, you want to play. But watching some of these plays, 
that the linebackers haven't made over the course of the season. I think about stuff like that, you, you know? You kind of hope that is what it is because otherwise you have to deal with the idea that, like, maybe some of your ultra-talented players have, like, slightly regressed. Yeah. And you would much prefer saying, he's just hurt. We'll get it fixed up. It'll be okay the back half of the year or next year or whenever instead of saying, well, maybe he's just a really good player instead of consistent all-pro or whatever. And it can be a little bit of both. Sure. In injuries can be part of it. You know, we talk about sophomore slumps with quarterbacks. Anybody can go through a sophomore slump. You get a year worth of tape on Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, you say, okay, this guy's not as good moving side to side. He's not good at changing direction on a dime. That's how we're going to take advantage of what he can and can't do well. So I think, I think it's a little bit of both of those things. The thing that has bothered me about LVE that I kind of hope it has been injury-based is I thought immediately he announced himself as the team's best open field tackler last year, and you kind of feel like perhaps that has not been the case this year. It, I mean, I, I think that applies to darn near everybody <laughs> in the back seven, yeah. to be completely honest as with a, you. As a player, Demarcus, whenever you know you, you think the scheme's right and, and it's on the players to execute, do you think halfway through the season or a little bit over halfway through the season this is something they can correct? Or is it kind of like this is what they're going to be the rest of the year? Can you get it back on track? Like This is something that if mistakes are made, they can always be corrected then next week. I mean, but it's all about – it's not correcting one person. It's like correcting all 11. Mm. And all 11 guys have to be on the same page because if one person don't do their job, the whole team is going to suffer. Mm -hmm. And it takes only that one guy. And it's you, we, and we've all seen that, you know, there are some mistakes that are made. But the thing is, like, it can be corrected this week that's coming up. And to me, I, I always say all excuses, they stink. <laughs> it depends on if you want to smell them or not. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, right. So there aren't any excuses. Everybody's hurt or everybody's beat up some type of way. If you put that jersey on and if you're representing the Dallas Cowboys, you're going to go out there and give it 100%. Mm -hmm. And that's how I predicated my career. That's how the champions are on the team now. Um, they should act and, and be that way. And so if you're out there, you're a gladiator, you're a warrior, and it's time to go to war. It's time to win the battle no matter what. All right, let's take another break. Let's let's get into a little Dak talk. You played with a pretty good quarterback <laughs> yeah. when you were here. That, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, so, you know, Dak, is, he's progressing. Right. I want to get your thoughts on what you're seeing from year one to now. You know, is, has he reached a plateau? Is he – what's his limit? What do you think he's done this year? Um, fun with D-Ware still coming up, so hang right. in there. You're listening to the Happy Hour on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network.
Back, back to the back. SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Happy Hour. Yeah, check this out. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Thank you to the great folks out here at the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. The smells in here are amazing. They're just as good as the company we're keeping at this table. <laughs> Joined by Kevin Hagelin from KNC Masterpiece. This place KNC is, Masterpiece. This place is seriously awesome. And I was gonna, I was just regaling. Mr. Hellman, with the story, I'm, I know you meet all kinds of people. I don't know if you will remember this. So a few years ago, we had you on the night of the draft okay. at a show outside the stadium. Right. I was significantly larger as a human being at that point. <laughs> there was a zip line, and I said, I want to see you go down that zip line. And you go, my man, I want to see you go down that zip line. And I was like, I don't know about the physics of any of that's going to work. And so, so what you're saying is we need to set up a zip line now. I would feel much more zip line ready worthy than I was yeah. before. Before that whole thing was toppling over injuries, and that's going to be the not who did the Cowboys draft, trauma at AT&T Stadium gotcha, as blah, gotcha, blah, blah. Gotcha. Now, now, <laughs> trauma at yeah, AT&T. Now I would be much more content with rolling down the zip line. Also joined awesome. by David Hellman from DallasCowboys.com. And big weekend for you with uh, the LSU victory, Man. eh, Dave? Oh, yes. Go Tigers. Uh, we don't have to get into it here, but I was uh, very excited last Saturday night, to put it mildly. We held your victory parade on the show yesterday. Oh, I, it, it, I've you been having even victory here. parades. <laughs> No, that was your parade. You wasn't in. I w- well, I was. I've been. I've been in that frame Focus. of mind. Absolutely. <laughs> you went. You went to Troy. You understand. Oh, yeah, 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 You're yeah. from that area. You so get you, it. So you parted an extra day. Oh and my so god. that's why you weren't at your parade. Thank God the Cowboys played at night. Oh, on you would have. You night. might be dead. You <laughs> might be dead. If they had played a noon game, I would have been in some serious trouble. Also joined by former Cowboys player. Denver Bronco, future Hall of Famer, Demarcus Ware. Thank thanks, you so thanks, much thanks for hanging for the out intro. with us, man. Thanks, thanks man, for man, sure. Yeah. So let's talk about Dak Prescott. Okay. In your day, you played with a pretty decent quarterback when oh, you yeah. were at the Cowboys, right? Oh, yeah. You played with a pretty decent one. A, a little yeah. Romo, you know, a little yeah. Romo, a little Drew Bledsoe. Yeah. And, uh, man, it's it was one of those things where in the locker room, you know, he demanded excellence. Mm-hmm. I mean, we never got um, uh, got to a championship. But every single year, man, it was a grind saying we're going to win the Super Bowl mm-hmm. because we had the talent every single year, which right. was hard, you know, not being able to win a championship here. And then you're talking about Dak. And one thing that I see about Dak is not only is he progressing as a quarterback, mm-hmm. meaning that when he first came in, he was a guy who wanted to create plays, mm-hmm. a lot of bootlegs, a lot of little trick plays. What is he? But now it's like, okay, I'm demanding that I am a pocket quarterback, Mm -hmm. but I have athleticism to also move the chains. And I see maturity when he demands everybody's eyes in the huddle. And at first, you know how when you usually have a quarterback come in, they'll look at the plays and they'll just talk, and then the guys are just break and leave. Mm -hmm. And now you see the guys like, what do we got? Engaged. What's up? And when they leave the huddle, he leaves the huddle first. Now, just the little things that I see oh, yeah. as the guys are really taking on and saying that's our guy. So he's becoming a leader. Yeah, not he's only becoming a leader, right? not only off the field doing things, but also in the locker room when guys take ownership for what he has to say. 
I'm hoping you can help me out with an experiment I've been trying to run. We had Michael Irvin on the show okay. earlier today. Uh-huh. And I said, what would you say to all the people who want to run Dak out of town? Because you know there's still that group. You experienced it with Romo. He's the best. He's the worst. There's no in-between. What would you say to the people who are like, Dak's not the guy. His contract's up. It's time to move on. Because I think that's insane. Um, the first thing I, I would say, you're not the people who are, have to pay him. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> and you're not the person who has to pay him. So for every opinion that's out there, that means that you don't have to you know, settle for the repercussions. So you can, you can say what you want to say. It's almost like if you're golfing. When you're in the, on a driving range, oh, you're swinging it good until you now get out there and there's a result with every single swing. But I just think that um, for all the people that are out there saying Dak isn't that guy, look at what he's done. Look at what he's done, how consistent he's been with what he's been given. And go back and look at a lot of the quarterbacks and look at, okay, is he – a pocket passing quarterback is he his passing rating let's let's look at all of the measurables number wise he's great mm-hmm. but one thing that you don't see is everybody else being great around him and i for me i always look at it as okay he can, he's only as consistent as his team lets him be so that's that's my take on it. i am at a loss for how can somebody can still feel that way oh, and there's I, a lot of on fun. our on yeah. social media yeah, fans are day. like dax sucks and i'm like are you watching <laughs> right. the same games that right. i'm watching right you know and he's progressed every year he's yeah. gotten better you know it's like people compared him to russell wilson early in his career well russell wilson was where he is now russell's taking it to another level right. so if right. he keeps progressing there's no telling where his ceiling right. is right right but as long as you see guys or see him progressing like he should every single year and competing with the other quarterbacks that are out there mm-hmm. and then the team also maturing. Think about what the team was last year. All the mistakes and everything that they were, they were making and now they're actually they're, they're five and four but when you take all the skin off and don't even think about the record they're playing better football but they're not closing out games. Yeah. Why do you think they're starting so slow? Meaning in the beginning, of, in the like, beginning of the game, defense and offense, it seems like it takes them a quarter or, or a quarter and a half to, um, to get going. I think sometimes when you're putting your feelers out, when you should just jump in the water, mm-hmm. that's what's happening. You, you're putting your feelers out, okay, what are we going to get this week when I am the dominant team? When we hit the stage... This right here I like is that. I what you're going to expect. I'm ready to go. You weren't yeah. getting me pumped yeah. up right now. It's like what you're going to expect from me this week. So, like, if you're playing against a mediocre team this week, Detroit, to me, that's what I feel like. You're probably not going to have Matthew Stafford. Stafford. Yep. Yep. Your running back's on IR, yep. and you're going against a busted defense. So, I should be able to run the ball well, pass the ball well, and I should have about 20 sacks on defense. Everybody should get their numbers up. But if to, I told to you prove, in the second quarter it's going to be 3-3, three to three, you probably wouldn't be, be shocked. Pissed. <laughs> but not shocked, <laughs> oh, right? I'm, I'm, You're going to be pissed, up. but not surprised. I, no, yeah, I, yeah. I, I would be surprised. I'm like, all right, okay, there, there is the team again. They're playing to the other team's standard. Yep. And not creating their own standard and where they should be. Bottom line. Absolutely. And that, like, it's, it's consistency. You're absolutely right. Like, especially if Stafford plays, then it changes the dynamic a little bit. He didn't practice today. I'd be pretty shocked if a guy with broken bones in his back plays. If he doesn't play, there's no excuse. And that doesn't make anybody feel better because you could say the same thing about the New York Jets and they lost that game. But 
that's that's what I'm looking for is consistency. Like play at your level regardless of who's on the other side. They've done a bad job with that. Regardless of circumstance. Always. Of circumstances. Yes. Question. Let's go back a little bit in time. Okay. It's popped in my head. What did you think when the Romo handing off to Dak took place? What were your thoughts around that when you, when you saw that go down? Um, no matter what, the NFL means not for long. Right. No matter how you look at it, and when I saw Drew Bledsoe, and we were winning football games mm-hmm. with Drew Bledsoe, and then all of a sudden Romo comes in there and lights everything up. And then Romo, you, know, you get hurt and you go through your injuries, and again, you're not worthy of what they think you are. And then the new guy comes in and he lights it up. And it's almost like I just looked at it as the torch was given to another star. Mm-hmm. Now it's your job every single year to make that star shine. That's what I thought about every single year. How can I etch my name in stone in the star every single year, no matter what happens around me? Because if I can be a catalyst, everybody else will be able to gravitate to that. One of the great things you said a minute ago was you were talking about expectations and you could look around the locker room every single year, whether you made it or not, you're like, we got the chance to make a run at the Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I know they all hurt. I'm curious, is there any particular run or season? Obviously, 07 jumps to mind where you were like, that was the year. Like, I thought that really should have been the year. I think it was that 13-3 and three year. Um, I can't remember what year yeah, it was. It was 07. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was 07. It was 07. 07. And Dude, we had like 16 Pro Bowlers. Yeah. You remember that? Oh, yes. We had like the most ever Pro Bowlers. And I can name so many guys that are like Hall of Fame guys that were in that, uh, in that whole group, that class. But one thing that we did in a game that mattered the most is we didn't have our edge. We played to the level of the team that was there, and they were hot. There was a, the Giants. That was the year. Yeah. Yes. Y'all lost. Yes. The, y'all had a first round bye. The Giants yes. won six to get in. They were and then hot. they beat the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl yes. to win it. We were right. hot and we were conceded. Wow. I'm being honest. Yeah. I'd call a spade a spade. Mm-hmm. But when you went into that game, it's especially when you make the playoffs, every single one of those games is a new game. Is it? It's the, a new game every week. Right. Is it the player's responsibility? Is it the coach's responsibility to shut down being conceited? That seems like a hard thing to curb from a professional athlete and a grown-up. It's the leader's responsibility. And, it's, and it usually takes two guys. Like, if it was Romo and me, if it's Dak and Zeke, if it's Demarcus Lawrence, any of those guys, it's, it takes, it's upon the players to give that vibe. And if you're in the playoff, you should already just be – you should just be crunk, right? Right. But if you go in there mellow and one of those teams smack you right in the first quarter, it's hard to get back. It's hard to get back. So that's why you got to start fast. Like you talked about starting fast. Mm-hmm. You have to start fast no matter what. And then it just trickles out all the way into the fourth quarter. Whether they mean to or not, I wonder that sometimes. And over his career, Jason Garrett's been so good at getting guys to stay focused. But – for lack of a better word, are they mellow? Like, are they aware of how much talent they have? And they're like, we'll be okay. And then all of a sudden, they're not okay. And now you're playing catch-up. Because you can go, the numbers bear it out. Quarters two through four, they're kicking people's butts. Quarter number one, totally different story. Like, all the way through the season. And right. 
it leads to you playing from behind and losing football games. I think we can all agree, let's go around the table, that, that you, you're going to have, in this division, you're going to have to win it to get in the playoffs. You agree? Right. No doubt. Everybody no agree. Especially yeah. when you just yeah. lost that game. If you would have won the Vikings game, then I could have seen a path there's, to the wild right. card. There's almost, there's almost no way I can see okay. this team making it as a wild card. So I think you're probably going to have to win 10 games to win this, win this division. Win that Philly game. Nine, nine or 10 probably gets it done. Okay, yeah. let's look at the remainder of the schedule. We'll take a quick break. Look at the remainder of the schedule. See if we think they can get to 10 wins. And we're going to save. You do not want to miss this. We're going to save plenty of time to have fun with D-Ware when we come right back oh, man. on the happy hour. too many times. <laughs> oh, my God. Back, back to the back. SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Happy Hour. Yeah, check this out. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. 
Fellas, did you know that at SWBC, customized solutions for individuals and businesses are just a click away? Did y'all know that? I did not. You do now. Visit SWBC.com to learn more and start your next adventure. And we are starting our next adventure with this final segment. Oh, man. Fun with Demarcus. We're gonna I keep, get to that. I keep being promised. We're gonna get to. I hope he this, keeps teasing. I hope this yeah. isn't a letdown. Oh, I was waiting for the zipline to break out. It will be. Here It'll be go. a letdown. Before we get to that, let's spend a couple minutes. Let me go through the schedule. This is the Cowboys' right. remaining schedule. Okay, we're at the Lions this weekend. Win should be a win with the injuries, things like that. I'm gonna. Right? I'm. I'm gonna play your game. Okay, but. That's the thing that's so maddening about this team is, like, they don't ever do what you think they're going to they do. They could yeah. lose to the Lions and beat the Patriots. They lost to the Jets. Right. All right, but go ahead. Sorry. So, we've got the Lions. We're at the Patriots. we got the Bills at home on Thanksgiving. We're at Chicago, which is looking more winnable than it was at the beginning of the year, but you never know. you got the Rams at home, at the Eagles, home against the Redskins. The Eagles' schedule is a lot easier than what we're faced with. Yep. I think it's going to come down to the last game or two. I've been saying that since week two with the Eagles. It always ha- you know, it always yeah. happens that way. I don't know if it's made for drama TV. Do you think this team, where they are, where they are now, where they have to go through, can they win this division? Can they stay on top and win this division? Absolutely. Like a hundred percent, they can win the division. I mean, there are they're they're already four and zero in the division. Yeah, they're five and four. Here's I already I mapped this whole thing out in my head, being the cynical beat writer that I am. <laughs> it's gonna get they play Philly on December twenty second, am I correct? Yep. Week sixteen. The Cowboys will probably be seven and seven because they've got a really tough road in front of them. They got the Pats, they got the Rams, they got the Bears, they got a surprisingly good Bills team. Seven and seven. Philly will probably be eight and six because they have a much easier road. They got the Dolphins. They got two Giants games. Seven and seven versus eight and six. Division on the line. Whoever wins wins the division. Somebody gets flexed, so one's one's already played. One hasn't. That's what. And and the Cowboys finish with Washington, which like that is the one game left that I just know they'll win. Like they're not going to lose to the. You to Washington. never know what's going to happen. They're not going to lose that game. You never know. You never know. You never All right, know. I'm going to. Washington and Arizona are the two crazy places you do not that you want to go there. Point being. It's going to come down to that Eagles game. And and I honestly, as much as I don't trust the Cowboys overall, I trust them to win a do-or-die division game because they almost always do in my time. I've, only, I've been here seven years, and the Cowboys own the division in the time that I've been here for the most part. You think they can get to 10 wins? I do. I think they go 10 and 6. The Bears don't scare me anymore. Obviously not the Lions. And I guess I'm still not super sold fair or unfair on the Bills. That loss to the Browns kind of solidified my thoughts on, eh, they're fine. So I think you take those games and hopefully win that game against the Eagles to set you up with the tiebreak and you go in at 10 and 6. Yeah, I think that um, they can they can be 10 and 6. But I think it's going to be a long road for them. And – they're going to lose a couple of division games, but win non-division games. I feel like that's where you sort of get the heart of the team. Because those non-division games are, you know, you got the Bills that are playing well. I want you to beat some teams that you know you're supposed to beat. Mm-hmm. I want you to beat the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want you to beat the Patriots, mm-hmm. and I want you to beat the Rams. Yeah. So those are three games to me that if I win these three games and then, you know, couple of these games I need to win, like Detroit. You got to beat Detroit and maybe Philly. You might lose to Washington. But I feel like 
those big games you have to win because those are going to be those confidence builders that are going to take you and put you over the, over the threshold. But I'm, I'm, I think they can do it. I think they can do it. I'm just waiting it out right now. I'm not saying this is going to happen. But if I was trying to, like, if you're a downtrodden, sad, angry Cowboys fan about the way that this season has gone, if I'm trying to convince you why you should feel good, I'm going to go back to what DeMarcus said. Y'all kicked everybody's butts. You were cocky and complacent. You, you got the week off. You didn't come out firing. If the Cowboys are going to make a run, <laughs> they're going to have to be hot. They're going to have to start yes. kicking butt. And you can do it like the Giants did that year. Oh, yeah. seven, Literally, yeah. there are so many examples of teams that were playing like crap in November that turned it on in December. Both Giants Super Bowl runs. The we're Packers right back in 2010. Yep. So, yeah, it's been mediocre to this point. But we talked – the whole first segment was about how the talent's there. So if the talent's there and they can turn it on – Get it rolling over the last three, four, five weeks of the season. Who the hell knows what can happen? But, but once then you get I'm, there. I'm just talking about like the guys also that they're playing. If you're playing a lot of NFC East teams, they're running the football. But the teams that you need to win against are passing the football really well. So I want you to play well against some more diverse teams that are passing the ball, a little bit of a run game, like the Patriots, right? Because you're going to have to play Green Bay later, mm-hmm. right? You're going to have to play more dynamic teams. So for them to win those big games and be hot. And knowing that they can stop. No, no you guys. can do it, right? Yeah, knowing you can do it, right. you'll be all right. All right. All right, fun with D-Ware. I hope I didn't oversell this. Yeah, you probably did. <laughs> we got about four minutes to oh, get wow. through this. So all right. These are That's really, a long four minutes. This, these are really just questions I want to know, okay. and I sold it as fun with D-Ware. <laughs> this is so Shannon's this, just burning curiosity. It out there. This may not be those that interesting to anyone else, but it's interesting Good to me. tease right there. Who was your favorite teammate to play with and why? My favorite teammate to play with and why? Uh, I mean, it is freaking hard. That was a hard question. All right, I would say you can give me two or three. I, I would say two or three. Okay. All right. I would say the first one was Greg Ellis. Okay. And the reason why Greg Ellis is when I first came in, I was looking for that guy that I needed like so much guidance from how to treat myself, how to go through recovery, what to eat. He had you know great Christian background, like you know just he was an all around guy. And then he protected me from Larry Allen and Flozell Adams <laughs> and Leroy Glover, and, you know, Roy Williams, all those guys that wanted to top me. He protected me from those guys, so I gravitated to him. And then it got when I went into the room, it was like the Brady James and the and Aiken and Adele and Anthony Spencer guys that I played with. And when you go to like the offensive side, one guy that I talked about talked to all the time was Jason Witten. Mm-hmm. It was me and Jason Witten. Like, no matter what, lockers were right there. So you had to – you probably were there. When you go through the locker room, it was me and Jason Witten. Right, right so by the escape to, door so you could right get out away the from the media. Door. Exactly, because you know I didn't talk to the media that much. <laughs> when D-Ware talked to the media, it was always outside the It was outside. Because somebody, call, somebody yeah. called him. He call, stop. Yeah. Yeah. Call, I was like, man, I don't have time to be talking. <laughs> I, I'm trying to play ball right now. But Witten was like – it was so many guys that I played uh, with, man, and just the memories that we had and – you know, bringing the families together, you know, having fun outside of sports, but also doing so many things outside of here, showing who we were. And it, it was cool, man. So uh, there was about three or four guys right there that I gave you. Who, who is – you can give me a couple here. Too. Yeah. Who's the smartest player you ever played with? The smartest Dak win. Really? Yeah, Texas A&M. Oh, Take that helmet. Man, Dak win. <laughs> when I looked at him, I was like – he can't play football. Like, he was really small. Like, <laughs> right. he was like your yeah, size. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. <laughs> he was his size. Like me. <laughs> you know? But he would be out there, and we couldn't understand nothing 
that he was saying because his English was a little bit – once he gets really excited, he, he would say things, and I'm like, okay, what is he talking about? <laughs> and he knew every single play, when it would happen, and that's what made him so great. And uh, I was like, this is the smartest guy I've ever seen. That's what kept him in the league a long time. Best defensive player you ever played with? Best defensive player I've ever played with. Um, I'm putting you on the spot with some Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious I, about I this. I played with probably probably Von Miller. I was, I was like, Von Miller. Like I was going to be like, you don't have to say guys. the Cowboys. Yeah, guys. I mean, it, it, he was, it was remarkable, man. It, having a He's guy scary. that you couldn't stop him, especially like when he was focused, you couldn't stop him. And then I'm on the other side, and we were like, like pulverized quarterbacks. There were nothing that they can do but do these little screen plays, little draws and stuff to try to slow us down. But they, they were just like, just go and get them. <laughs> we didn't have to worry about in the interior guys that just push the pocket. You two just go and get them and, and to play coverage. Was there ever a player that you just enjoyed, not on your team, didn't have to be on your team, but you just enjoyed watching in real time, like when you were playing them? The right training. Dwight Freeney was one of those guys in college. I watched him. I think he was at Arizona State. It was Arizona, Arizona State, whatever. I think he went to Syracuse. Yeah, yeah, Syracuse, whatever. Right. It was like an orange team, whatever. <laughs> I watched him. He had like 20 sacks, okay? And watching him in the NFL, like that spin move, I was like, how did he do that spin move? How is he beating Jonathan Ogden? How is he beating, like, Walter Jones? And I would try and I would lose every time I did it. But I would say Dwight Freeney. Well, fellas, this has been awesome. That was, that was actually pretty good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, didn't, I didn't totally blow it. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. You didn't blow it at all. Kevin, thanks for coming, man. This was awesome. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., 105.3 The Fan. Dave, nice. thanks for showing up. Thanks, man. Demarcus, thank you so hey, much, thank man. Thank you, thank you. You got to do this again. You're thanks welcome. to the Cowboys Club. Next week, we will have Patrick Creighton on the show. Beautiful. Ooh. Same time. PC, PC. Same place, same bat channel. Join <laughs> us on Happy Hour next week.